When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our little sidebar chat we're having here at 1230 in the morning. Just waiting for some more the guests to come on. We're going to be talking about property and your legal person and your children. And the correct way to be registering yourself and to be securing yourself and those rights. So be patient. We'll just be waiting for people to come on. Thank you. By the way, there is some new technology that's been made available regarding the registration and things like that, and that's what I'm going to be covering. Yeah, normally just takes people a little bit of time to come on, so we can get together and talk about this. This is Brian, myself, and Samantha are here. I don't know who just came in with us.
a quick deep dive into what happened, a little bit of a history deep dive for all of you listening. So, I've talked to you in the past about the cross versus the press with a series of battles between the Roman Empire and the Christian faith. Stretched out over centuries and get very little discussion, very little treatment in most college and high school curriculums. Uh, and the expansion of the Ottoman Empire into Europe, the jihad, in fact, into Europe, the attempt to seize key strategic nodes for the purposes of conquering all of Christendom, that was going on for quite some time before finally the Ottoman Caliphate fell apart after the First World War. But we're talking 16th century here at really the height of the Ottoman Empire's powers. And the siege of Vienna was the first of two, uh, first of two major campaigns to take that city. Uh, so I, just as a way of background here, by 1529, things weren't looking so good for Europe or the friction forces. The Ottomans already had all of the Balkans, Bulgaria, and Greece under their control. Vienna was only 100 miles from Ottoman-controlled territory. Was a strategic target for them. It was on the Danube River, which connects the heart of mainland Europe to the Black Sea. It's also the longest river in all Europe and it stretches like an artery through the heart of Europe itself. If you seize this location on the Danube, you could then move not just goods and commerce, but large numbers of troops for future military campaigns to conquer Europe all the way to the uh, north and western coast of the European continent, which was So it's the Battle of Mohawk in 1526. Before this, where you had some of the best troops of the kingdom of Hungary, which at the time was actually an important power, uh, they were slaughtered. 10,000 infantry and 4,000 cavalry killed in one day. In fact, uh, Louis II of Hungary was killed while trying to flee that, that battle. Total annihilation annihilated the force against them at Mohawk in 1526. So the kingdom of Hungary got split up. The uh, Archduke Ferdinand of uh, Austria is also the brother of Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. And here, Hungary was a frontier province. It uh, split up. Uh, it, was, it was split up, and it was now a place where the Ottomans realized that they were making into Europe itself. So they wanted to move on Vienna in 1529 and finally get to Vienna. I guess it's contacting me in here. about five minutes out, it looks like. Over 150 thousand marched from Bulgaria starting on the 10th of May, 1529. You had Spahis, who are the elite noblemen and cavalry of the Ottoman Empire, and the Janissaries, along with Balkan auxiliaries that were picked up along the way, and Suleiman Mahmoud, Suleiman himself was commanding this army. Probably the most famous and most powerful. He declared a jihad, a formal holy war against Habsburg, Austria, Charles V of the Holy Roman Empire. So there's a huge jihad of 150,000 en route to Vienna as a early summer and late spring of 1529, and they have to move large artillery pieces. This comes in a slide later. 300 artillery pieces as part of the caravan, part of the baggage train. Because of the weather, I believe some of it would be 
numbers, name in large numbers, they leave behind only 400 capable military-age males for the offense. And there are just crazy, crazy preparations to make a stand in Vienna, realizing that if the Ottomans seized it, then they would be able to strike into the heart of Europe itself, and it's likely that the momentum would carry them to much further conquest of Europe. Basically, if the siege of Vienna 1529 had gone differently, you might be speaking Turkish. But I'll get there. Charles V, however, is not able to show up, so he's busy fighting the French, which is a common problem among the Christian nobles at the time. They should have been uniting against the threat of jihad and conquest from the Ottomans. Instead, they were all fighting each other, and some of them even made a separate peace with the Ottomans at different times. But Charles does send 17,000 lancemen, or lancemen, or drums, or German mercenaries from the Holy Roman Empire. They were well known for their brightly colored clothing. The lancemen, people don't really hear about them anymore, really a fascinating bunch. They were something of an imitation of Swiss pikemen, or mercenaries. And the pike is a very long spear, at the time could be up to 18 feet long, it was used in tight formation. And it essentially created a human porcupine effect, which was useful in stopping cavalry charges. And when you paired the python with gunpowder weapons, so the front line would have these long spears, and people then in the mobile square formation would also have early versions of what would later be rifle, something called an arquebus. They could hit from afar, and they also were protected up close from cavalry charge, which had been a menace to early stage, in particular, gunpowder weapons. The Lanskinex also had uh, the Zweihander, two-hander in German, which is a broadsword, known as William Ross. The Kriegnetzer, which is a war knife, uh, looked like a cavalry saber. And they were best known, though, for their brash, rowdy, and provocative style of dress. These guys wore baggy pants, floppy hats and scarves, flowy shirts, lots of feathers. Hey, Brian, this is Eric. Hey, Eric, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. How, how's it going over there in Florida, man? Not bad, not bad. Still a lot of uh, down trees and stuff like that. Mm, dang. So it's kind of bad in some, some places? Uh, yeah, things are pretty much cleaned up now. Uh, Bonita Springs is back to normal a little bit. I mean, a lot of those mm-hmm. houses are going to have to be destroyed. Oh, that's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think maybe that, that some of those hurricanes were artificially made? Um, I don't know if they're artificially made or not. I, I can see that they could have easily been directed. You know what I mean? Right. 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 We saw that all the way back to Katrina. That it seemed like a month out almost that they, they knew that it was going to be hitting New Orleans, which that yeah. should be a red flag right there. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Who's is Cal on the call yet? Uh, no, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, let's see. You called in over talk show. Yeah, the um, yeah with the pin with the four one four three pin. Right. Yeah. As I also listed the um, um, Uber number, too, with that pen for people if they wanted. And then I would use that in the past. 
which means I can't see everybody that's on. You know, I mean, just, I can only see the people that come on through TalkShift. I know, uh, you said something about Christy coming on or something? You there? Uh, yes, yes, I heard you. I, I accidentally muted. But uh, I'll give him a call real quick, and then I'll call, and then I'll, I'll switch back. All right. Hello? Hey, how we doing? All right, Brian. How you doing, man? Good, good. Long time no hear from. All right. Is this Cal? Yes. Well, okay. Um, one up here? No, no. Uh, Eric's here. I've got another friend uh, over computer. Uh, I, I think he was going to go try uh, calling Chris here or somebody. I don't know. Okay. How you been, man? Good, good. Just trying to weather the yeah. weather the weather down here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I see you survived the uh, multiple freaking uh, weather issues y'all had down here this year. Yeah, I've never really been concerned as long as the winds stay like under 130 degrees. You know. And I, I yeah. saw gusts. I saw gusts of wind here that I know were well over 130. They were saying that in our area, see, it made landfall about uh, 30 miles as a crow flies south of me. And it said that in my area right here that we had wind gusts up around 90 miles an hour in the 90s. Well, I've been in winds higher than that. And from some of the things I saw, it had to have been over 90 degrees. There's no way. I mean, I, I don't know if you know how strong bamboo is, but I saw bamboo stalks that were snapped off. Oh. Yeah. No, and bam- strong wind there. Yeah, bamboo is like thick as steel. I mean, there's road signs, stop signs and stuff, and, and you know the poles those things are on, uh, those like... I don't know what they call those U-beams or whatever they're on. But those things were tw- were twisted and bent down to the ground. Oh, wow. And so for the amount of wind that, like, a stop sign could grab, I mean, <laughs> the wind had to have been way over 130. All of the weather issues uh, that I've, in, in my lifetime that, I, that I've seen where the winds were really kicking... I've seen stop signs flailing from side to side. I've never seen a stop sign bent. Yeah. 
And these, uh, a lot of these signs that I'm looking at when I'm uh, traveling around here, they aren't just bent down. They're actually twisted and then bent down. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's mind-blowing looking at some of the stuff here. Incredible. I hope that's something. the worst that it gets, my friend. Yeah, well... I uh, I think it's gonna get worse. <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, yeah. I just heard somebody else bounce on with us. Southeast Texas. Kansas. And what's that? Kansas. Southeast okay. Texas and Kansas. South Central. On like three, right? Yeah. Well, uh, so I've been uh, I've uh, been incog- incognito dealing with um, trying to trying to build a trust, get my vehicle out of registration um, from the from the computer, and. Uh, and put it in in a trust. So that's that's what I've been working on. And I felt myself oh. getting to the point where I was losing myself, and and I had to drop off and regroup for a second. Oh, that's that's some of the info actually I'm going to be touching on. Uh, are you doing the trust yourself or through somebody else, or what are you doing? I'm doing it myself. All right. Yeah, <clears throat> I would recommend going through somebody that's experienced because there's some very specific wording that, that has to be used. And you can find people that do it that aren't going to charge you two, three, four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 to do it either. I mean, you, you can find you, some very reasonable rates. I used to work in a law office, with, and that's all he did. Oh, yeah? He specialized in trust? Okay, that's cool, then. Yeah. So, but, but um, and he did a trust for me back then as well as doing when he did my birth certificate in my UCC. And um, I, again, I didn't understand none of that stuff back there. And I've been researching over the years and now I'm getting an understanding. But now my focus has to be on the bond and along with getting my status correctly, uh, claiming my status and, and, and doing the correct uh, affidavit. So that's what I've been focused on. So I've been doing a lot of research and getting better understanding. Um, I'm, I'm now I'm coming to the part where the stuff that he was doing was on the public side. Right, he was doing everything he was from talking uh, about. I was gonna say, yeah, he was doing everything from a stat- statutory point of view. Yes, and he was Which, he was registering it with the Secretary of State. Yeah, and and that that still keeps you as much in the system as you were to start with. So, yeah. So I'm 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 taking that knowledge and I'm flipping it to the to the private side and researching and studying that. Cool. Yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be set up. Along with Eric, Eric helped me do the first. Got my first ninety. It's supposedly ninety-eight. I believe it's ninety-one number from the IRS. 
and uh, he he has uh, done his his part. I'll let him talk about it. I don't know how much you know what he want to talk about it. So I'll let him talk about his personal stuff. But um, I'm following MB trying behind his trail uh, of the steps that he's taking to make success. Yeah, that's the uh, the four ninety eight number. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hey, uh, Cal. You... Cal, is, is Chelsea going to uh, join the call, or I haven't been able to touch bases with her, touch, get in contact with her. So right now, okay. no. Okay. Well, I got uh, I got um, uh, my buddy over here. His name is uh, Hector, and uh, and I've been talking to him, and uh, basically he's got an upcoming child, and uh, he he understands like you know, the, the kind of like the slavery, the birth certificate brings in, but uh, he's still kind of a beginner and he's still kind of learning, um, you know, and I've been, I've been telling him that, you know, it is kind of like, you know, like slavery in a way, but you could benefit from it in a way. So, you know, that's why he, he wanted to, you know, to, 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 to ask what would be the, like the steps he, he should take uh, before this baby is born. Uh, and he's on the call now, Hector, if you want to say hi. Uh, hi guys, uh, I appreciate you uh, having me. Uh, I'm here to to learn, and like like Eric was saying, I have a a new baby coming uh, uh, January, and uh, I'm thinking about uh, the whole meaning of the birth certificate and uh, you know the, the the ramifications of signing the birth certificate and you know what the benefits are and and, and the downside of signing the birth certificate is. So I'm still trying to trying to figure all this stuff out. I don't know if you guys um, could maybe point me in the right direction and kind of you know hint what what you guys would do or you know. So that's that's, that's it. Um, where are you located at, Hector? I'm in uh, I'm in Texas. Okay. All right. So yeah, you were you were the Texas line I saw come on probably. Uh, did you use the taxi number or did you use the Uber number to come on? I used the. Uh, I think it's. Uh, it was the taxi number. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm just curious. I, I want to make sure that Uber number is still working under the registration I've got. I used the Uber number. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Beautiful. Good, good, good to know. Have you checked, Hecker? Have you checked out Tactical Sovereignty or uh, the Little Sovereigns? Have you checked out that group? Uh, I have not yet. No. It's it's primarily of of that subject, and you could probably find files of aid there on subject matter as to you know like PDFs you could download and actually read and, and ask questions just directly on that anytime. The administrator of that group is actually on the computer right now uh, attending this call. I, I'm not sure that she can speak or anything, but she's at least observing. Okay. Um, okay. But some of the information I'm going to be bringing forward is stuff that I'm pretty sure she hasn't seen yet. Um, and on the talk shoe link for this call, 
Um, if you actually go to uh, talk to you, 143321 over, just like Google it, and I'll bring you to the, the page where it's located at. I'll show you all the calls. If you go to this uh, specific call, there is a little eye button that has a blue circle around it. And mm-hmm. that's for information for the call. You can go to that, and I've got a link in there that goes to part of what I'm going to be talking about. Mm, okay, okay. And that's a tool that... Will you... Will you... Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so at the end of the, the session, will you give that information out again, Brian? Right. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be giving other information and uh, links for people to go to. Okay. All right. Um, well, I guess uh, I'll just jump into the nuts and bolts of the situation here. Um, in order to comprehend what has happened and uh, how everybody, I'm trying to think of the correct wording, how everybody is really being held um, subservient to the state, okay, or to what everybody thinks is a government, you have to really, you have to really comprehend the beginning of how everything got set up and the reason why it got set up the way it was set up. And that will kind of clarify things, especially for people like Hector, you know, um, anybody can go online and you can look up, um, Colonel, Mandel House. He was the handler for President Woodrow Wilson. All of these guys have a handler, okay? Because all of these guys have been put in position by uh, maybe what we're hearing on the news now called the deep state and things like that, okay? And those, those are the powers that be. And the powers that be want to make sure that their guy that they put into office does what they want him to do, okay? And that's what, Dr. Or what Colonel Mandel House was doing regarding Woodrow Wilson. Um, I've shared this long, long time ago in the group, but, I mean, anybody, like I said, you can go on Google and just put it in Mandel House, and it'll probably pop this up because it's probably been searched so many times. But what he was telling Wilson was that the most efficient way to fund uh, this company or this corporation that we know of as the United States that is registered in Delaware as a supposed nonprofit, because it is nonprofit, but the people inside of it may call the profits, and the best way to fund it uh, was through using the people as a surety against the debt of the nation, hmm. and that they would do that unwillingly, unwittingly by registering their biological property. Well, you know, they've taken it a step further. I know one of the first things I looked at when I first started looking at things and researching things is I would see that they would talk about the richest nations on the earth. And and I would stop and think, wait a minute. What makes a government rich? What makes a nation rich? Because a nation essentially is its government, and that's what they're referring to. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, what does the government own? The government doesn't own shit. It's supposed to be just a governing body that looks after everything. 
but what they did is they ended up getting the people to not only register their biological property, namely their children, to the state, but you register your vehicles to the state, um, your deeds for your property all goes to the state, you pay taxes on that property, and all of these things become stuff that is ultimately owned by the government, and they can look over it and do what they want with it. Um, I had a friend of mine at work the other day some, say something about the driver's license. And he said, well, Brian, you've got a driver's license, don't you? And I said, no, I don't. And I said, and neither do you. You don't own a driver's license either. And he, big black guy, said, what are you talking about? And I said, let me ask you something. I said, if the state wants to take that driver's license away from you, can they do it? And he said, well, yeah, absolutely. I said, there's your sign that you don't own it. And that comes right down to the same thing with the children. You look at uh, DCF and things that are done where they're taking children away from families. Well, how can they take those children away from the families unless they own those children? That is the only way. Because, I mean, you can't go to your neighbor's house and take something from your neighbor's house. That would be a robbery. The, the only way you could take something from your neighbor's house is if your neighbor had uh, deeded that property to you or registered it to you, whatever. If they gave you some nexus to ownership of that um, item on the property that you were taking. Uh, this is really so simple and basic. It's just a matter of kind of connecting some of these dots. Well, what's happened, though, is it's gotten even deeper. It's gotten even deeper than just concrete things like uh, the property of your vehicle or your home um, or of your child, okay? What they've gone and taken another step into is they've gone into the intangibles, okay? And something that's intangible is, uh, say, like emotions. Love is intangible. You can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it. it. You emotionally feel it, but you just know it's there. All right? And all of the rights that people try to claim and everything, those are intangible. That is intangible property. And so when it comes to your children, you have the intangible right to that property. Why is it your property? It's because you created it. You only can control what you create, and this is that's very important. I want everybody to stick that in your head. You can only control what you create, okay? That's very important because as far as DCF or the state or whatever coming in and taking your children, doing anything with your children, well, how can they do that? They didn't create it. How can they sentence people to prison? for, say, IRS debts, uh, for things that do not have a real injured party. How can they do that? They didn't create that man or woman, so how do they have control over that? Well, they have control over that because that child is represented by or that adult is represented by an organization that they did create. And that, and I don't want to get into the whole patriot nonsense stuff of the all cap name and all that. I mean, 
there, there's some validity to it, but that'll lead you down rabbit holes that'll get you nowhere. The truth is, is that they created an organization that you can go to uh, USC1, right back to the beginning and stuff, and find it. They created an organization, and you have to comprehend um, the law of agency and how that works and the relationship between agent, principal, and the organization. That is all extremely important because that is what they're doing to everybody. And they're getting you through these things that you can't taste, touch, or feel. They're getting you through your intangible property rights. Um, This goes right back to the same thing that a lot of people are struggling with, which is they're fighting with the state over their driver's license. And one of the things that people need to comprehend is that you look at the courts and a lot of people are fighting about, oh, they're enforcing trust law. Or they're saying, oh, well, no, they're enforcing uh, common law. Or, oh, they're enforcing contract law. Well, I would say a lot of that is primarily true, but when it boils right down to it, the majority of what the courts are enforcing are contracts. And that's the easiest way to see that is through issues like with the driver's license. With the driver's license, what has happened is we thought that we had certain uh, rights, and they're not really rights, but they're actually uh, protected privileges or whatever uh, through the Constitution. And actually in the Constitution, there are no rights there. The Constitution really only talks about what the government's supposed to do and how it's supposed to operate in bankruptcy. Uh, that way, its creditors knew that it was going to be operating in honor. Um, the, those rights that everybody wants to refer to as being constitutional were actually in the Bill of Rights. Okay? And it was established. Those things were established there. However, if you read through the Bill of Rights, it's like, that doesn't pertain to us. That pertains to, like, another nation. It, it just makes no sense. You know what I mean? And that's what got me really starting to look into this further is because, I mean, it talks in there about having the right to keep and bear arms. It had talk in there about the right to travel. And it's like, wait a second, we don't have any of these things. What are they talking about? So what they did is looked at them from the point of view as an intangible right. So, and the Supreme Court has even upheld this. It upheld that a private membership association can be established and people can join it and it doesn't have to follow the Constitution as long as it's not promoting capital offenses. And if you want to join that and you want to accept its rules and regulations, you are more than welcome to do that. But in so doing, you'll be giving up other things that were maybe afforded to you. Which I would even say, as far as the Constitution of the Bill of Rights goes, those were set up for a totally different status than what we are today. Those people at that time, when those things were written, did not have the status. This is, we're talking pre-14th Amendment, okay? And the 14th Amendment changed a lot of things. And and so what happens, for instance, when you go to get your first driver's license and 
on a side note, if you go and look into um, UCC 9, it talks in there a lot about the debtor, which was who they refer to as the United States citizen. Not the United States of America citizen, but the U.S. citizen. And when they're talking about location of debtor, they're always referring back to the driver's license or the state ID. In fact, if even if you've never gotten a driver's license, you had to go to your state ID, that number that's on your state ID will be the same number that they use for your driver's license if you go get a driver's license later on. So that is the number that they use for that legal entity that they created. People need to comprehend the difference between the physical you and the fictional you because there's a fictional you out there and that's what they're attaching everything to, is that fictional you. Now, some people might have to listen to this a few times before it starts to sink in, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I know it took me time. It took me time to roll this through my head before it all started to make sense. The Justinian deception on on YouTube is really good as to aid in the definition of legalese and how the court used the fictional you that, that you need to be aware of, that you don't engage in communication with the fictional you and any engagement with, with entities of the government. Right. Yeah, Justinian deception is really, really good. Um, Ryan Lauren is one of the guys behind that. And that, that's part of what needs to be comprehended. I know I've at night at night I'll think this stuff while I'm asleep, and I'll wake up in the morning and I'll still be thinking about it, and I'll try to play devil's advocate. Like, am I wrong? What am I missing something here? Am I just a wackadoo? But fortunately, I've had actual experiences where I've seen this truth play out. I, I was in court, uh, oh, probably about a year, year and a half ago. And it was a situation where some people were trying to move a guardianship of a gentleman from an attorney to a family member. And the family member was saying, oh, this gentleman works here and here. Uh, he does these activities, those activities, da-da-da. And the, the judge is actually just an administrator, a court administrator. And administrators wanted to care of fictional estates. Side note. Um, but the administrator stopped um, the woman that was testifying, and she said, hold on, I just need to let you know, neither I nor the court care about the individual. We only care about the person. And I looked around the courtroom, I looked at an attorney I knew, and they were all shaking their head yes. I'm thinking, you guys don't even know what she just said. She just lets you know that there's two different entities. And they don't care about the individual, where they work at, what they do, this or that. They only care about the person. And what is the person? Uh, The person is that plus or minus sign on the bank ledger. It's the profit margin. What are they bringing in? How are they taking care of uh, society? You look at people who are in trouble, and everybody's like, oh, rich people don't get in trouble because they got money to get out of their scams they fall into and 
the cops know not to mess with them. No, I'll tell you what the deal is. It's a democratic, actually, not even a democrat. It's a socialistic, communistic-based society. And they want to make sure that you are contributing to the society to make it stronger. And those so-called rich people that own businesses, they employ people, they're doing financially, who cares about their morals, the way the courts look at it, but they are doing a lot to benefit society. Whereas the person that, or man or woman that doesn't have a job or is in between jobs all the time, doesn't have a vehicle or he's driving one with hope plates and this or that, he's not employing people. He's not putting any money back into that communist society. So therefore, they've got to find a way to suck more money out of him to make him contribute. Either that's going to be through fines, penalties, and fees, or it's going to be through him uh, doing time in the county or state prison, and they'll be making money through bid bond, performance bond, recovery bond, payment bond, etc. That's how it works. I remember, I remember uh, watching this this lady. She was a very, she was uh, very smart, and uh, she knew a lot about the IRS. I think she she worked as the IRS. I think her name was Sherry. And that was one of the one of the things that she fought about was uh, saying that nobody had to pay taxes for their income, and I guess she she kept pointing out what's the definition of an individual, um, and you know it didn't work out very good for her. I think she was sentenced for like a, like long time in prison. I think it was five or ten years, ten years. in federal prison. Yeah, ten years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's sure, yeah, that's Sherry Jackson Peel. I know her. Sherry Jackson Peel has some good info. In fact, she just did a big um, seminar or whatever that they did out west about a month and a half or two ago. And yeah, she, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Sherry Jackson Peel is that she said that if stealing 100% of a man's productivity is slavery, <laughs> at what percentage of it? Is it not slavery anymore? Exactly. Yeah, Sherry, Sherry Peel is beautiful. Uh, her so let me and ask, uh, let me, Joe, Joe Bannister were going through the same thing. Go ahead. Let me ask you a question, then. Let's go back to the courtroom when the judge said, are we talking about the person or the individual? Is that what you said? Is those the two word terms you used? No, what what the uh, court administrator said is that we don't care about the individual. We only care about the person. Okay, so the person that they were talking about was the registered number that's on the ID or the driver's license, correct? The, yeah, she was basically saying we don't care about the man or woman. We only care about that legal entity we created. Which is the registration, the ID for that number. That's how they tell which, what person you are by that number, correct? Right, right. That's your identifier in their system. But it's not an identifier for the real man or woman. It's an identifier right. for an organization that they created that they have you tricked into representing. Essentially, no, the right. corporate account. <clears throat> essentially, the business account, the corporate account, the straw man. Essentially, that's that's who they're they're coming after. But it, it, you know, if if that person was a little bit wiser and said, okay, uh, you know, I'm I'm the living man, 
uh, I'm not the straw man. I'm not the I'm not the person. Then the judge could say, okay, so the person's not here. The person did not appear. Okay, Phil, to appear, there's a warrant out for the person. And right when you step out of the court, they'll ha- you know handcuff you. Hey, you didn't you 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 failed to appear. And you didn't show up. That's the mistake that a lot of people make is that you're not seeing the difference between the two. You All communicate right? from the gallery and you state your position from the gallery. You put the judge in your courtroom of of the Constitution and of faith in God rather than to enter the go through the gate into the the courtroom of of the legalese. Um, uh, that's why people do their operation with a written example, then then they respond by correspondence, avoiding engagement with the court. Uh, yeah, you, you do it in writing ahead of time. You should never even need to go into court. In fact, most of what, in fact, everything I've done and what I espouse is that you get that set up and established before any problems ever come along. And, you know, I don't like using that word straw man or whatever. People want to go into court and say, I'm not the straw man. Da, da. Well, when they're saying that they're not the straw man, that means they are not knowledgeable of the situation. Because the situation is that you are not being looked at as the straw man. Not you're not you're for you're not being looked at. Classification. Sorry, you're breaking up. I missed what you're saying. Then you state that you're the handler of the the fictional fictional aspect and not responsible for. The, the fictional aspect that well you you know you can there are those you can have in, in court and and pulled it off it's just it's a lot easier to do it from the outside at a correspondence at you know right. having your your eyes and teeth crossed and, and being of your the legalese factor and the preparedness rather than from having to do so from from communication in a physiological space. but Well, it, it can be done physically also, but uh, filing a notice of non-representative capacity is very important as well. Because what they're trying to tie you into is being agent for that organization they created. And when people walk in and say, I'm not a straw man, I'm a living, breathing man, well, they know you're a living, breathing man. They just want you to be the agent for that organization. And when you're talking like they think you're the organization, that just shows that you don't understand legal stuff or business stuff at all because you don't know the difference between what's fiction and what's reality because they've got a fiction and they want you to represent the fiction. They want a okay, can I ask a question to that, Brian? Sure. Can I ask a question to that, Brian? Okay, so how is how can you ever win and going to court and trying to represent the straw man, the legalese, or the entity, or whatever, if you have not claimed who you are. So that's, that's a big part of it. So shouldn't you have claimed your nat- uh, nationality uh, 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 before you even try to attempt to represent the, the, the uh, personal entity? Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. You should claim your nationality. And that's the problem with 99.9999% or whatever uh, Dove Dish Soap, the number they use. <laughs> that's the problem that majority of Americans have is that they are claiming a false position. They've never claimed a nationality. They're, they'll check off that box that says U.S. citizen, but they never stop and think, wait a minute, have I ever made an oath or affirmation to the United States? And wait a second, aren't I supposed to be part of the United States of America? So why is it just asking about the United States? So you're claiming to be a citizen or employee or whatever you want to call it of a corporation that you have no ties to. You've never pledged any allegiance to. You've never done any kind of oath to them. And so, so you're automatically claiming a false position, and so you essentially lose by default right there. Exactly. Qu- in all of my studies and all of the and, and all of my studies and all of the years I've been doing this, it just now hit me uh, two months ago. So it took me 12 years to get here to figure out the only way that I can win is if I claim my nationality and then I want to I wanna be the representative. Because you go into court and they're constantly asking you, who are you? And the only thing you can say is the name that they're requesting. But you haven't separated the two names. Right. And you can only well, do yeah. that by affidavit. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because here's the thing. If they're asking who you are, and like I said, nobody has claimed a nationality, well, guess what? Because you've got to be flying underneath a flag. That's just the way it works on this land. They want to know where your allegiance is at. And that nation or whatever that you're claiming your allegiance to I mean, people can say, oh, I'm under God. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but as far as they're concerned, they know it's real, but they look at it as fictional. Uh, You can't go knock on God's door. You you can't send him unnoticed to appear. You know what I mean? But you can. Yeah, so, so, I'm sorry. Hold on, but hold on. But you you can join a nationality of a nation who has accepted the creator as the supreme author and the supreme ruler. That's what, what about, Brian, what? May I? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But I, uh, somebody said something about bat- baptismal certificate, and that's a nexus to the Catholic Church, which is the Vatican, uh, which are the ones at the very, well, very close to the very top anyway. So, yeah, I, I don't go with that. Okay, let me can I Eric Eric, can I finish this understanding before you before we move on? For sure, man, for sure. Thank you. So what I'm what I'm trying to say, Brian, is if we go in there without claiming a, a status, then we can only be the representative or the trustee for the corporation, correct? That's yeah, the only that's, way they're gonna that's that's how they're yeah, gonna that, see us, right? Right, that, that's how they're going to see you. And what I looked at early on was, okay, they created that entity, so I'm not able to destroy it. Only they're able to destroy it. But if they want me to be a representative of it, guess what I can do? I can move it. I can move it out of the jurisdiction. 
So the reason that people are getting hemmed up in court and the reason they're getting hemmed up out at the traffic stop is because they haven't claimed the nationality, so they're only seen as the, the, the trustee for the trust or the estate or the straw man. And, and that's the reason they're getting the windows busted and they're getting snatched up out of the car is because they're only seen as by the servant as a code breaker for the number that's on the license. Right. They're, they're seeing the people as as the people who hold liability for an organization that they created, and they are not administrating the state's organization very well. So they're going to bust you. Okay. I, I, I wanted to make sure that the studying that I just, I just read was is what I got out of it. Yeah. Thank you. Where did, where did, okay, where did, where did you read that? I appreciate it. No, where did you read that from out of curiosity? No, it's just a whole bunch of reading and putting it together, piecing the piece and piecing the puzzle together. To tell you the truth, I got you. Yeah, piecing that's the what puzzle you together in the light, and <laughs> the light flips on, and you go, "Oh shit, is that yep. really what all I have to do?" <laughs> okay, so what about go the ahead, small percentage? Okay, well, what about the small percentage of people that did? Uh, that uh, did, uh, you know, get citizenship, uh, you know, through naturalization. Um, so are those guys, like, the real, genuine citizens compared to native-born that never, you know, uh, swore an oath, essentially? Well, you know what? I don't have any factual stuff to back this up, but I'm seeing all over the place people doing YouTubes or they're you know texting about it or they're in blogs talking about it and they're talking about for instance these people that are coming over for the from the middle east or even people maybe that do it legitimately through say south america or something and they get naturalized and they're complaining because they're saying wait a minute these guys are being afforded a home with widescreen tvs and maybe a vehicle and they're getting like $5,000 a month for all of their bills and expenses. And they're freaking out. They're like, what's going on? Why is the government doing this? Well, I would say it's because those people have made their oath or affirmation or whatever to U.S. Inc. And they are probably legitimately more of a citizen than the man or woman that's born here. Well, as crazy as that sounds, I mean, that's the only thing well, that makes sense. A corporation, <clears throat> not necessarily of, of the national aspect. Well, I've, I've, um, I've, 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 I've have, uh, oops, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I've, I've studied the welfare system, uh, a little bit. And it's not necessarily that they're naturalized or that they're residents or that they're immigrants. I, I think it's more of the mentality. You know, I've talked to a lot of uh, native-born Americans, and they they don't they just don't like the idea. They say, "I'm not going to get no handouts." You know, I'll, I'll, everything I get is because I'm working for it. So it's a different kind of mentality. Um, and if somebody was truly undocumented, illegal, they wouldn't qualify for benefits. You know, because the number one thing for all that welfare is your social security number or the straw man's social security uh, number. 
Um, so I don't necessarily think that they get more benefits or less benefits. I think that they just come with a different mentality. They come with, I think that a lot of, uh, you know, immigrants come with the mentality of, you know, it's a new country, new benefits. Let's, let's, let's just take, take advantage of it. You know, let's do it. And so that, that's why they apply, you know, for food stamps and, and all that stuff. But I think they're, those benefits are equally available, you know, for, for native borns as well. Well, Here's the thing. It, it can't be just a mentality uh, because a mentality does not signify a legal status, okay? Um, what it really, I, I think, falls under is if you look at uh, HCR 192 or uh, public law, was it uh, 70.10, 70.10, where they took the goal, they took the way to really pay really pay for things out of the system. People that say they pay their bills, I'm sorry, nobody pays their bills. It's impossible to pay your bills because it can only be done through, for instance, gold or silver species. And that was taken out of the system. Uh, We don't receive bills in the mail. The only thing we receive in the mail, like from the electric company, is a statement. Or from the mortgage company, is a statement. They never send you a bill. And I really think that the people that are bringing in here, they are taken care of because they are ultimately going to do what the system wants to have happen on America. Uh, currently, uh, I, it, it doesn't really have to deal with, you know, being able to apply for food stamps. Yeah, everybody can do it. I've lived on Indian reservations as well. And the majority of those people had no problem taking any handouts or benefits. They really didn't. Uh, they had, you know, sad to say, kind of a, a lazy way of going about life. But right, and, and uh, go ahead. I, I just remembered of a story. I was talking to a a buddy on over here on on one of the sovereignty pages, and he was telling me a kind of a horror story. This lady, she had a simple traffic violation. And she went in there and, you know, she was native born here in the, you know, in the U.S. corp. Um, and she was like, well, I'm not a, I'm not a U.S. citizen. I'm not a 13th Amendment U.S. citizen. And uh, she said that under penalty of perjury. And what the judge did is he said, okay, he, he got a warrant to get the information from her last employees. And they looked up her W-4 and she checked out the box that said U.S. citizen. And out of that, out of a simple traffic violation, she had to uh, hire, a, uh, basically, uh, I think a, a, a lawyer that took, could take on her case, and she ended up paying like ten grand for a lawyer to take on that case because she lied to a judge claiming she wasn't a U.S. citizen, yet in the IRS Form W-4, she claimed she was. You know what I mean? So you, you kind of trip yourself in the past, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty yeah. interesting. I shared that to you. Yeah, it, you know, people are tricked into, uh, you know, being the nexus to that legal entity without ever even realizing it. And they might want to call you a U.S. citizen or say, oh, you checked off a box somewhere saying that you claimed it. Yeah, but also, that's where you're trapped at. Also, also on credit card applications, I've been noticing they, they want you to check out U.S. citizen. And if if you don't, the, the the credit card and the banks bank accounts they're linked up with the Patriot Act because of nine eleven. So 
So they'll they'll check they'll check it out. You know, the Patriot Act, um, and and they'll ask if you're a U.S. citizen on there as well. And you you know you check uh, on the online applications. Well, uh, there is somebody else I've been following, and I'm picking up a little bit of stuff from them, but it's not 100% objection I'm going in. But what they're doing actually is a passport application uh, with an affidavit to it that claims their status. And it really Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how much, whether the passport goes through or not, but they turn around and they they get a FOIA request for their application. Is, is, is that is that the five star passport that people talk about? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I I, I don't know anything about five star passport. I mean, it, there's no evidence out there as to what a one, two, three, or five star does. A lot of people put FOIA requests um, to the State Department wanting to get that info, and so far, from what I've seen, nobody's heard anything back yet. But. <clears throat> Hector has a a pretty interesting story. Maybe he would like to share a story of a close friend of his that filled out a, a passport application and he he goofed up and and he put the wrong social security number. Hector, are you still on the line? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Go ahead and um, share that story for to Brian. Yeah, so it's a buddy of mine who uh, who uh, was born here and uh, he, he grew up in, in Mexico. But uh, you know he's born here in the U.S. and so he he, uh, he you know he was uh, back in the U.S. He wanted to get his passport and uh, filled out the application, uh, sent it in, and he he goofed up on the uh, social security number. I think he got some numbers mixed up or something. Anyways, um, the uh, the passport you know hadn't shown up in you know over a month, and so he was starting to get you know, uh, kind of anxious about where it was. And so he started calling the, the, uh, the, the I guess, uh, it would be the, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The mail. US government. <laughs> uh, whenever you get, <laughs> anyway, so the thing is that, um, uh, they told him, oh yeah, don't worry about it. You know, if you made a mistake, you know, just wait for your passport to, to show up and then we'll make the correction, uh, after you get it. And, uh, he, he you know, he's, he waited a little bit longer, and then he told me that one day he got to his house and there was a a SWAT car like waiting outside of his house. And you know, as soon as he pulled into his driveway, you know, they came out with guns and you know had him on the ground and you know basically uh, arrested him, arrested him, and he didn't even know why. You know, they, he didn't know what was going on. And um, after. Uh, after he went to, uh, they they took him in, put him in jail. Um, he, I mean, he he didn't know what was what was going on. His wife didn't know what was going on. She had to uh, basically sell their their you know their work truck and you know his tools and everything to hire a lawyer. And finally, the thing is that they 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 got the lawyer and everything, and they were accusing him of uh, fraudulent documents or something, um, falsifying documents or something. And, uh, they, they, uh, ended up giving him a felony charge. Um, after that, he, uh, he pleaded guilty because his, uh, his attorney, uh, told him it was the best thing to do. And, and he was just going to get probation instead of, 
jail time or what. I don't know. Anyways, they, they handed him over to immigration afterwards, and immigration wanted uh, wanted uh, him to sign his deportation. And he's like, I'm not going to sign, you know, dep- deportation. And uh, he doesn't speak very good English, but he's still, you know, he's still an American. <laughs> uh, and uh, he wasn't going to sign, and he just said he wasn't going to sign. So they basically... You know, they kind of tortured him in there. They, they, he said that they would put the handcuffs on real tight, and they would, you know, yank on the on the handcuffs every time they asked him to sign, and he wouldn't sign. And uh, they wouldn't feed him, and they they basically threatened him, threatened to to uh, you know uh, deport his wife, and they were uh, you know basically trying to scare him. And uh, they told him that if he wouldn't sign, they were going to have to transfer him to a you know, to, to another facility, a long-term facility. And uh, one day they, he said that they, uh, you know, they told him they were, you know, going to transfer him. And, and he, they walked him down this long corridor uh, to the back of, uh, I guess, the jail where the exit uh, doors were. And he thought there was going to be a van waiting for him or something, you know, to, to transfer him. Um, they opened the door. He stepped outside. There wasn't anybody there. Basically, it's just the back side of the jail where the dumpsters are. They pushed him out and closed the door. And he thought that they were trying to basically kill him because they, you know, he thought that they were going to say that he was trying to flee or uh, escape. So he stayed by the door, like you know, trying to get back into the jail, trying to you know, trying to get some kind of documentation that he was there or something. But uh, after a while, they he didn't open the door, so he kind of just, you know, started walking around and finally walked off the premise and, and uh, you know, was able to get a, uh, in contact with his, with his family. But uh, he wasn't able to do anything about that. He hired a lawyer to, to do, like, a lawsuit and something. But I guess the lawyer just took his money, and uh, he wasn't able to do anything about it. Well, I, Hector, Hector, what, what do you think the bottom line of the problem there was because I see it. Yeah, he agreed. He, uh, the bottom line was, uh, um, uh, they weren't sure. Why do you about, think, they, they weren't sure. Why do you think his, they kicked he, him out? Oh, he didn't give consent. Exactly. He, he didn't give consent. Yeah, no, they couldn't do anything. Exactly. Yep, there was there was no consent given. Now, I, I want to get into the, the situation with uh, Hector. You said you've got a uh, offspring that's going to be born sometime soon here. Yeah, yeah, in January. Oh, okay, good. That that means you got a little bit of time here. Unfortunately, you've got the holidays in between here and there, but that's all right. And this is advice that, well. I don't want to call it advice, but I'm saying what I would do, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as far as advice or legal advice, if people want to call stuff legal advice, I'm sorry. But that information, that knowledge should be freely given across the board. But instead, you've got to pay out the butt. And even if you sit in front of an attorney that's been hired, you know, they're not going to tell you everything because they don't know everything. The only thing they know is procedure. That's the only thing that's taught to them in law school, really, is procedure. 
that they don't, they're not taught the law of nations. If anybody wants to really know how things work, they need to go read uh, the law of nations because that's how nations and countries are established. Mm-hmm. There's, very, there's very set guidelines to all of that. And most all nations have followed it. In fact, the Supreme Court, I mean, not the Supreme Court, but the Constitution even refers to the law of nations. All right? It's kind of uh, an unwritten rule, or it is a written rule, but it's, you know, just not something that's really been formally accepted as this is what you have to do. And because there is no worldwide organization that says this is what you have to do, but this is what everybody really follows because it makes the most sense. It, it follows the line of equity. If anybody comprehends equity, uh, it looks at everything from an equitable standpoint. But mm-hmm. uh, getting into what needs to be done or what I would do if I had uh, offspring being born is that you have to go back and look at what's done through the birth certificate. What's really done is a claim is being made um, not necessarily to that to that child because no paper can be put on a human being. Any paper being put on a human being would be a form of slavery. And for a nation or a state to enslave a people we know is totally against the law it's against the law of nations. It's against all of our principles. Mm-hmm. So what, 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 what the state is doing is to creating a fictional organization that that child can work through uh, to be kind of a conduit that they can work through to operate in commerce. Okay, And that all seems good and everything. But unfortunately, there's a huge liability uh, one called the national debt that that's thrown on that child's head if they want to be a representative or agent for that organization that the, that the state created. So the best thing to do is uh, to make your own claim. And I would, uh, most states require to be run on the paper uh, like twice once, two weeks in a row. Some maybe three weeks. And it typically has to be a paper that has over a million subscribers. Uh, You can easily look that up online for wherever you live at. But I would file uh, my own notice uh, in the legal section of a paper and make a claim to my offspring before anybody else can. Now, like I said, if you go to the show notes uh, for this call, you hit that little eye that's got a blue circle around it, they'll take you to uh, information about this call. Mm-hmm. I, I put a spot there where um, you can actually set that up, not just for offspring, but you can also do it for yourself, where you can move that legal entity that was created by the state, you can move it from their jurisdiction to another jurisdiction. And that really falls under the right of nationality. Everybody has a right to claim a nationality. Uh, That's listed over and over again, even by the UN. The UN has not written it, but they've accepted that as being a fact. So 
It doesn't matter if you live on California, or you could claim the nationality of Cuba if you want to. Mm-hmm. And that's not for you, the living man. That's for that legal entity. That's where you're going to place that legal entity at. I remember a few years ago, uh, there was a guy I used to run into every now and then, and and somebody said to me, they're like, oh, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? I'm like, no. like, oh, he got busted for DUI again. And I thought back and remembered, this guy used to always sing Italian songs all the time. He was a barber. Uh, Cut hair. And um, so... Out of curiosity, I was like, gosh, it's like the third or fourth time I've heard this. And down here in Florida, I mean, you only have to do it DUI so many times before you're thrown in jail for a number of years, you know. And so I went to court courts, I looked online, and I saw that this had been his 12th or 13th arrest for DUI. And I went back to the picture they had of him, and underneath your picture, they'll say, you know, where you're from. Underneath his picture, it just said IT in brackets. They had him listed as Italian. So did that mean that his legal person, because that's all they're dealing with is your legal persons, did his legal person fall under the requirements and liability of the United States? No. It was actually in its own organization, its own private membership association called Italy. And so they had no jurisdiction there. What about Brian? What about what about the uh, the border jumpers? Um, you know they don't have they don't have connections like you know Mexican border jumpers. They don't have they don't have uh, contracts with the U.S. Corp. But still, when they get caught in the border, they do get one year, two years, three, four, five years in jail in American jail. Right, absolutely, because they're border jumpers. They, they, you, you can't, you can't go from one nation to another illegally. You have to do it through the proper channels. Uh, that's like breaking into somebody's house. It's no different than breaking into somebody's house. I mean, they, they come here, they come here, they rent an apartment or whatever from a private renter. They go get a job at some small privately owned business or whatever, you know, that, that's really no different than some stranger walking in your home, slapping your wife on the ass and grabbing a beer out of your fridge. Same exact thing. It's an illegal situation. But right. But what I mean is, 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 is how are they, how are they caged up if they don't have any any contracts? They don't have any, any ties to the U S corp. You know, they're they're essentially, you know, Mexican citizens, but they still get caged up. You know, they don't have a birth certificate. Well, they don't have social security number. You know, none, none of those, those strings are tied to them. They get caged up because they're an enemy of the state. They're somebody that has invaded the country, and so they lock them away and eventually ship them back to wherever they came from. And, and how 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 do the the jails get paid for for their stay? You know what I mean? Because if they get hit with a year in jail, uh, you know if they don't have a bond, they don't have a social security number. You know who's paying the jail for that? Who's who's paying? Who? How are they charging? You know that account for warehousing. Well, for what? Well, for one, they're really not making money off them. 
necessarily being in jail. That alone doesn't pay them. But what is happening, they don't, they don't spend necessarily a year in jail or anything like that. What they're doing is they're making deals with them for them yeah. to, like, narc on the coyotes that help bring them over and things like that. Hmm. So they're making money off the backside. There, there are some some people that are up in there for for a long time, like one, five, fifteen years, because uh, you know border jumping is, is definitely like a big uh, big uh, penalty, you know, in Texas and California oh. and stuff like that. A lot of the guy, a lot of the guys that are being held for a long period of time, are people that have been caught here committing rape or murder or um, serious B and E's and things like that. And they're actually going and tying them to a legal person. It's just paperwork. It's just all fictional stuff. So they can do what they want. So, yeah, they're basically tying them to a legal entity that they created and using uh, using them in their court case to make money on the stock market. But the people that, you know, are just caught because they crossed the border, that's it, you know. Yeah, they go and try and get them to narc out other people. Yeah, that's very true. And, and I have a feeling probably that they scare them into into agreeing too. You know, with the, giving consent, uh, I have a feeling that probably has to do oh. a lot to it as well. Oh, absolutely. And those guys are scared to death. You and I would be too. You know. Yeah. You're, you're mm-hmm. in a totally different country. You don't know what's going to happen to you. You've heard all these horror stories. True, very true. So what about some people that say, hey, you know, you have an offspring coming up, you know, just, just uh, you know, start a family Bible, record the birth there, you know, and, and, and that that's, that's you know, legally standing. You know, don't get a birth certificate. You know, don't get a Social Security number. You know, just do, just, just you know, just do a, a Bible record. Uh, is that a good idea? Well, that's what I was getting to just a little bit ago and starting to talk about. Was that, yeah, uh, record it in the Bible. You can use that. In fact, I've read links. I'm hearing a lot of feedback from somewhere. Where if you're not talking, you know, it helps clarify things. Thanks. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I know. I always have a lot of fun when I'm on calls, muting and unmuting myself back and forth just so I don't have my background noise coming in. But um, anyway, yeah, record it in the Family Bible. Um, I've seen links from the State Department where that's accepted as part of your ID in order to get a passport. Okay, so that is something that's legitimate. But I would also go and lay a claim to that property, uh, like in the legal section of of a paper, ahead of time. Uh, That way... When it comes time, if you're not able to have the child at home and for whatever reason it has to be done at the hospital, you know, they've got all different things that they've done now to where actually under like Obamacare or the Affordable Health Care Act that if you don't have insurance on your child and are able to afford it for like the next two or three years, you know, that they're going to give uh, Medicaid or whatever to it. And so, therefore, you've got to have a BC filled out. Well, if you've already laid claim to that property ahead of time and you've already placed um, that property inside of a PMA, a private membership association, 
then they don't have any standing. Anything they do will have no standing because that child is already a member of something else. Okay, okay. So essentially start a PMA, a family PMA. Right, you can do a family PMA. Uh, the link that I put in the information box for this call on TalkShoe has mm-hmm. a link in there where actually um, I believe it's $150 to do a family PMA. And a PMA is very similar to a trust, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, the only difference, so, you know, the the only difference between a PMA and a trust is that a PMA is private and you cannot do commerce with it, correct? Right, but the people within a PMA can work within each other. Right. And, if, right. and if, say, for instance, if another entity comes and wants to contract with somebody within a PMA, and people need to comprehend that the number one rule that governs everything is that you have a right to contract or not contract and no law of any government or state can impede your right to contract that is a decision that is a right that you have that nobody can impede and so if somebody wants to come and contract or whatever with somebody within that pma you know you tell them hey are you a member of this pma i you know don't give you permission uh, to contract with me. If you want to contract with me, I'll tell you what. Um, I charge $250 an hour, just like an attorney. Right. And it's absolutely no different. It's absolutely no different because that attorney is a member of their PMA called the uh, Bar Administration. Right. You know, they're part of the bar. And, and so, yeah, you've got to pay. There's no right. difference between the two. Now, well, that link that I shared there... Um, you can dig into it deeper, but you it's, I believe, $150 to set up a family PMA, and some people on an individual level or a man or woman level might say, oh, 150 bucks, that's a lot. Well, you know what? For a family PMA, you can put in your cousin, your aunt, your mom, your dad, your sons or daughters, uh, and what's it going to come out to? About $15 a piece? And yeah. that's going to be hedge of protection. It will be a hedge of protection that is not offered to you through U.S. Inc. Yep. Very true. I agree. Hmm. Okay, so... And, uh, yeah. I, no, let me add something to that. Um, also, if you follow that link, uh, you can also get a... Um, oh, not a certificate of live birth, but a... Uh, I believe it's called a life-born certificate or whatever. Wow. And that that is an actual real birth certificate. It's for the man or woman. It's not mm. for a fictional entity. If you go yeah. and look at your certificate of live birth, okay, you look at it, it looks just like your car title or your right. certificate of title in the glove box. There's, only, there's a big difference between the two, though. That certificate of title in your glove box says, oh, for instance, I drive a police interceptor, okay? It's, it's, that's one of the vehicles I use. And mm-hmm. uh, that's made by Ford, and it's a Ford Crown Victoria, okay? Right. Well, yep. you go to your certificate of life birth, which looks identical to it, 
And the only thing it's going to say there for identification is if it's a male or female. Right. It, it doesn't say a male or female what. It just mm-hmm. says a male or female. Mm-hmm. Right? Like and those, right. And those terms male and female are actually statutory words that they brought up a long time. They came up with a long time ago. Those aren't words. Those are terms. People need to understand the difference between a term and a word. A term is a legal tool used by the legal establishment. That That's one of their tools, just like a, a carpenter will use a hammer or whatever, or a jigsaw or something. These are Those terms are their um, tools that they use. They aren't words. Everybody's like, oh, they changed the definition of words. No, they didn't change the definition of words. They changed those words into terms and then changed the definition. That's what happened. So if you have a vehicle that's created and it's not created through the system, can it just be slap the tag on the back of the private part, like you know, like they have on on technical sovereignty or, or those kind of things easily? Or, or do you have to have a location that it's from and the state it's well, here's the thing, and you see a lot of people doing that and stuff, and I feel sorry for a lot of people that, you know, that they read some stuff for a couple of days from Kata Gaia or whoever, and the whole lose the name people, which mm-hmm. they're saying, oh, run from the name, don't use the name, lose the name, and I'm like, okay, that's all right, but enjoy periodic 72 hours tents in jail. You know what I mean? Because you haven't claimed anything. <laughs> you you haven't gone up and become a man or woman and made a claim. You want to be a nobody, so yeah, enjoy that stuff. But well, and it's the same when it comes to the to a vehicle, is that when those vehicles are created, they are created by another state entity, uh, which, say for instance, is Ford. Okay, since I brought up Ford. Um, Uh, Ford is an organization, if you look into their records, they will say they are formed under IRS code, da-da-da-da, just like the church is formed under IRS code 501c3. All right? Well, what what does that mean if they're formed under that? Would that be, um, you know, with filed exemption, a, a produced vehicle? You know, is what I was I was wondering. You know, as as to possibly a venture versus two was produce a vehicle that was manufactured with the intent of actually meeting those of sovereign pursuits, and and primarily only serving those of sovereign pursuits. But to do it under say like a five oh eight C one A that would be a classification that that could have, you know, a file factor as opposed, you know, tax revenue and the government entirely coming from say the First Amendment and, and freedom of religion and 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 pursuit of of whatever godly act you, you deem fit is is what my intent was. 
and and not to just do so just poorly just for myself, but possibly for myself for an intermediary aspect as to develop uh, a larger avenue to meet a mass amount of people. No, it can all be done on an individual level. Here's my question. If, say, that vehicle is built by a country, I mean, if that vehicle is born or is created by a company that is formed under, say, IRS code, whatever, then who does that vehicle belong to? I wouldn't form it under IRS, but, you know, a 508C1A wouldn't necessarily have to and, and could be a filed factor as the exemptions applied from... You're really, you're really muffled. I'm having a hard time comprehending what you're saying or hearing you. Are you aware of what a 508C1A is? Yeah, that's an IRS code. Well, it's, I guess... It's like you were saying, like a 501c3 that's subject to the government, a 508c1a has a classification that if you build exemptions like your UCC law, it would be an operating faction. It's got a business class, a church class, and a nonprofit class. Right, but that classification is still formed under... IRS code, 508, whatever. That keyword, that keyword is under. Under means belongs to. And to just do it for my private, uh, my private, private what association? DMA? yeah, you do it. You do it from your own private membership association. Okay. So, if the vehicle is developed under a private membership association, and whether it's mass produced, individually produced, or otherwise, then it would not be uh, a factor of be an issue. Would it? Would it not? I mean, as what I understood, those of a car tag from a reservation operating in the rest of the United States are exempt from engagement from from the, the factors of of the the government, the USA Corporation. Yeah, you you have to move that vehicle outside of the United States. So yeah, thanks, if you had your property copyrighted or or you know free from the United States and obtained materials in such regard, however you obtain materials, then it would be of a an acceptable factor. And it wouldn't have to be filed any other way. What I was trying to figure out. Well, that that link I put into the uh, notes will take you to all that, and you can find all that stuff there. How to move a vehicle out of the U.S. 
Is it on is it on a Facebook page? The notes or uh no, there's not a Facebook page for it. I, I was just saying to talk to note. Um if you go to the link for this call, you'll see an I with a blue circle around it. You tap on that or click on that. And that will take you to the description for the call. And you look you look in the description for the call, and there's a link right there. I did looking at the talk sheet of work, so I did the dial-in. And okay. Just a all right. Uh, all right. Well, then here, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another place you can go. Go to the uh, United States of America. I'm sorry. Let me back up. The government of the United States of America, the international. And if you're in tactical sovereignty, you can put that in the search bar and you'll find it too. I was going to ask you tonight before we hung up the call to, to explain what that website is and what it does more into detail because uh, you mentioned it before and I've gone on there, but I really didn't have an understanding of uh, what was the purpose for the website. Okay. Uh, I'll break it down as shortly as I can here. What happened was everybody thought that this republic was being set up on America, North America here for the United States of America. And what happened was the the attorneys came in and they actually placed an overlay on the land. They don't see the states the way we see them. They, They see it as kind of a grid pattern. Okay? And Initially, they never claimed the original meets and bounds of this land. Uh, This land to them is all kind of a fiction. So what happened is some gentlemen came in a few years ago, and they actually went in and mapped out the meets and bounds and seaward boundaries of this land, and they claimed it. Uh, When they claimed it, those uh, quote-unquote powers that be we keep hearing about but don't know who they are, well, these guys found out who they were because they came and they wanted that paperwork because that was the original title to the United States of America. And so what's been done is uh, those meets and bounds and cedar boundaries have been claimed um, and they've been accepted internationally. Uh, the Hague Convention has uh, admitted that, yep, it exists. You guys hold it. Um, even the Bar Administration accepts it as being a fact. Although you won't hear anything from the de facto from the company or corporation that's running things right now as basically a government servicing corporation because that would freaking spill the whole can of beans and everybody would know that this has all been BS that's been going on. It's not a real government. It is something no different than Walmart. The only difference is 
it's Walmart security with guns and jails. That's the only difference. And so what they did is they went in and set up everything according to the Law of Nations, which should be set up for the real republic to come back to life, which is uh, one, having a post office, which is the way you receive all of your information through. That's a requirement for a nation. Uh, you have to have you have to have um, your own military that was set up. There's different offices that have to be set up, and all those things were done. And so, according to law, nations, it's an existing government, and a government is not supposed to be what we've always thought of all these people that we pay taxes and pay money into and we get nothing back. A government is actually supposed to be something run by the people. And the offices within the Republic are not held forever by people. There's um, elections that are done because certain offices can only be held for a certain amount of time. Everybody is supposed to participate. If people remember uh, the quote that was supposedly made by Franklin, um, I was going to say Franklin Roosevelt. Now, you look back in history, and Benjamin Franklin was asked by a woman, what have you guys created when you came out of the uh, Hall of Independence? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. Well, to me, I look at that verb. Keep it. Keep. That means that there was a responsibility that was supposed to have been done by the people. We were supposed to pick up the helm and start taking care of our own neighborhoods, our own county, our own state, what have you. We were supposed to take action. But instead, everybody sat back and allowed this entity called the bar come in and start running everything. If you look at Congress today, I think Congress is inhabited by 78% bar attorneys. That's who came in. They put this fictional overlay of a government servicing corporation over the land, and they're the ones running everything. And they're not running things under natural law. They're running things under their own little statutes and codes and whatever that they even say are color of law. It's not law. It's an appearance of law. And as long as we accept it, then we're liable to it. Does that make sense? Yep. But I'm trying to say that the Republic is out there and it is being re-inhabited and you can join into it. And you can move that character that was created by the states and say, want you to represent it? Oh, okay, I'll represent it. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to move it from your jurisdiction to another jurisdiction. 
I'm going to move it to the jurisdiction that I thought it was originally supposed to be at. And you can do now, the same thing for yourself. You can do the same thing for your children. So, Brian, is is that something Hector should start looking into since he's got a, a, a offspring here in the near future, or should he just kind of wait and, and, and do that later on down the road? Uh, if I was Hector, I would probably have started looking into it six months ago. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. And, and not just for his, not just for his offspring, but for himself. Move his legal entity out of the de facto into the de jure, into the republic that we thought that we were actually living in. That's why I tell everybody: you've got to learn where you're really from, where you're really at, and who you really are. Because those three things that we've always thought have all been a lie. Now, okay, that makes sense. Now, if, if Hector was to not get the birth certificate and, and uh, you know, not get a Social Security number for his coming offspring, uh, will, that, will that child later on, well, not child but kid, I know child has a funny definition as well. Um, that kid, uh, will, is it, will it have a tough time when it grows up, you know, going to, I don't know, maybe signing up for college or, or trying to get a job or trying to get a credit card or trying to start a business? Um, is that possible without, you know, a birth certificate or social security number or, you know, credit line or credit report or credit score? Because Hector, I know, In I know Hector is. I know Hector, and he's not rich, you know. <laughs> he's not falling. Right. He's, he's a working man. All right. Okay, let me ask you a question. In order to do those things, what is the one thing they always want from you? Social security number. All right. Is it legal for them to ask for a social security number? It's not. It's not, but if you want to play their game, you got to play by their rules. You know, try try to get a, a credit card without a social security number. I haven't heard of anybody, uh, you know, have success with that unless they have a business uh, trust or, a, you know, a business account or, or a corporation well, or anything. Well, if you're trying to get a credit card, you're looking for a benefit. Correct. You shouldn't be looking for any benefit. You shouldn't be looking for any benefits. You should be able to take care of yourself. And if you're if you're looking for, like, a benefit of a Social Security card, which means you want somebody to essentially lend you money that you agree to pay back. Well, hopefully in time, we are all going to know people who know who we are and have the faith and belief in us that, yeah, we'll pay them back. And we can do it privately. All this stuff is supposed to be done privately. We're not supposed to be turned into Big Brother for this stuff. But so much of it has all been taken over by Big Brother. Big Brother or Big Banks? Same difference. So the banks are... The banks are... The banks are all underneath the... They're all underneath the IMF and they're underneath the uh, Bank of International Settlements, which was created to collect the money that was supposedly taken from the Jews back in the war. That's what's running everything now. Well, I, I think that there is a there's a slight separation though because I know debt collectors don't have much power. They use a lot of intimidation, 
but they don't have much power. You know, if you if you're if you you know have a thirty thousand dollar credit card and you just decide one day, hey, you know, I'm not going to pay them, they really can't do anything because it's an unsecured loan. Now, if you were to owe thirty thousand dollars in taxes, now you're talking, you know, jail time. You know, like uh, what's that guy from Blade? Uh, guy that got locked up for not paying taxes. Uh, I forget. I forget oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a few people. Joe Bannister dealt with them. Um, Sherry Jackson Field dealt with them. Yeah. So it seems it seems like you know you know the 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 IRS has a lot more power than possibly a debt collector from a credit card or or probably a car loan or, or you know those type of you know debt collectors. Well, with the IRS, we fell into the same trap that we did with uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles because everybody wanted to go get a driver's license so they could drive around and be cool like our other 16-year-old friends, and so we entered a PMA. Well, you did the same thing when you filled out your first W-4 to get a job or whatever, and you joined the IRS. That's a, They're a totally separate company. They're separate from U.S. Inc. or everything. These are all separate companies all running things. And what happened when we joined them is we agreed to give up all of our supposed rights and everything like that and accept their rules and regulations. So what happens when you don't follow what they want, well, then the courts step in to enforce those con- that contract that you signed up with them on when you first joined their PMA. So, but, you know... And in every law, there has to be remedy. And that was supplied with the IRS through the revocation of election. You can do a revocation of election with them. Granted, it won't take care of past problems, because that's only when people get in trouble. They want to take care of past problems. But you can take care of everything from this day forward through a revocation of election with the IRS, saying, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Didn't mean to join your club, <laughs> but I, I, I'm going to exit your club now, if you all don't mind. And it really doesn't matter if they mind or not. You're doing a revocation of an election. You're leaving. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, is there is there just on how to do the revocation of election? Beg your pardon? Are there steps on how to do the revocation of election, or is it individual to state, or is it kind of a, an in general process entirely? No, no, there's uh, paperwork that you can do for revocation of election. Um, you know, these search engines are great, whether it's Bing or DuckDuckGo or Google, if, you know, whatever spy on me engine you want to use, you can go and put in revocation of election, IRS and it'll bring the information up for you. Uh, myself, um, I recommend people use uh, Weissen Associates. That's W-E-I-S-S and Associates. Uh, they've done a really good job on their revocation plan. And when you when you revocate with the IRS, essentially, do you not have uh, access to, to the Social Security number anymore? Well, IRS is somewhat separate from Social Security. I mean, but 
you know, when it gets into Social Security, a lot of people are worried about benefits and stuff like that that they think they're supposed to be resuming Social Security. Well, <clears throat> but the, the truth is, I mean, they call stuff that we're supposed to get from Social Security, they call them benefits. They're really right. not benefits. They're actually liabilities of Social Security because that was, you know, some sort of a savings plan that we paid into. Well, we did our part. They're supposed to do their part and uh, give us back um, at the end, they're supposed to give us back what was agreed upon. And at that point, we're not receiving a benefit from them. That's actually a duty or a liability of the IRS. I mean, not the IRS, but Social Security. That's a duty or responsibility. It's an obligation. Those actually should be called obligations and not benefits. Right. It's it's like if I if if you loan me money, okay, and right. I don't pay you back, are you going to take me to court and say to the court, "Hey, Brian wasn't giving me my benefits"? No, it's Brian wasn't paying back his obligations. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hmm. When you look at it in those terms, it makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. Because and that's because that's the way it was laid out. But instead, they do that little word game thing. We know that they love to do with us, and they, they want to call it benefits, and that keeps people in fear. Oh, I'm going to lose something. I'm going to lose something. Oh, well, not, number one. Your your contract wasn't with US Inc. It was with a totally separate company. And you've done what you had to do with that company. And that company now has a liability or an obligation to you. Right. But along the way along the way through life, you know, especially, you know, a, a child like Hector is being born, okay? When he goes and starts working and things like that, you know, there may be some difficulties. Uh, there may be some education along the way that he has to do uh, with his employers, uh, especially if it's corporate. Uh, the best thing to do is to make money in the way that, you know, through the abilities and gifts that you've been supplied by your creator, you know. But along that way, there are plenty of plans out there. You can use, like, uh, the IRA plans. You can use a Roth IRA and put money into a Roth. You know, you put 10, 10 bucks a week in there. Gosh, if you did that from the time you are 20 years old, you'd be set up when you retire. And it's just a savings plan, and they make their own investments, you know, and you take care of your own finances. Uh, you don't sit back and do nothing your whole life and then uh, wait till you retire and expect Social Security to take care of you. It's not going to happen. You're going to receive, what, maybe six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month from them? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's not even going to pay your rent, let alone keep on your electric. Right. Hmm. So, Eric, uh, I'm, so, Brian, wouldn't you, um, if you were born without a Social Security number, I mean, birth certificate, certificate of live birth, 
get the license and get the uh, social security number. So wouldn't it? Wouldn't you go apply for an EIN number? Work that way. Hello. Hello, hello. Sorry, guys, I got disconnected. Are you still there? Hello, you still there? I got disconnected on it.
Cassie gets six. Are you still here? I see Marine Corps One. Are you able to talk? Okay, things got disconnected, so I just might have to end this call. But it was a good call either way. Illinois, I see you're back. Hello. How are you doing? Hi, Brian. I'm fine. How are you? Good, good. We're having a call, but it's like we all got disconnected or something part way through. Well, good that you're back on. Hello? Yeah, no, I'm here. Okay. I'm sorry I'm late. Um, what, what's our topic tonight? Hold on a sec. Um, we're just basically talking about the uh, legal entity and what to do with it. Sorry, I was in late. I, I it was unavoidable, unavoidable tonight. Uh, no problem. No, it was just uh, several members uh, 
wanted to get together and chat. Mm. Are we all, how many are on the call? Oh, it was just a handful of us. Uh, it's a group of us. We get together every couple months and have kind of a late night talk. Well, this is a late night for you, isn't it? No, not really. I get home from work really late at night, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is like uh, 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening for most people. Wow. Hey, uh, I'm I'm back. Uh, I got I got bumped off. Yeah, I know. So did I. I was like, what the heck? So I had to jump back on. I I guess the recording is still just picking up from where it was. I don't know if it ended or not. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> I I also was interested in 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 like maybe some trust some tr- trust information uh, you know i want to set up a a nice you know trust i i have one set up already but i i kind of want to you know set up a, something a little bit better than what i have set up now yeah you said what was set up before was through kind of a, a statutory perspective and which is what you don't want definitely and uh like i said that link that i put into the um description for the call on talk show uh, that will give you access to somebody that does trust as well. Which, I mean, it, that PMA essentially is very similar to a trust. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I, I saw one one of, uh, I, I think it was like Truth and Trust, that they're, they're doing the, uh, uh, the authentication of the birth certificate, and then they, they put the... They put the this person into the trust or, or something around those lines. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, have, have you looked into that one there, or how they how they put the entity, the the legal person, uh, into the trust? Right. Yeah. I've I've been in all of the classes with Robert Michael, and I haven't found any fault with anything he's doing. He's totally correct. Um, but when you go onto that link that I shared, uh that's what you're doing right there as well is you're, you're moving that legal entity from us Inc. And, you know, not everybody agrees with the authentication, but even according to the statutes, I mean that they know what an authentication is, you know, under uh, 28 USC 1733, uh, the authentication turns, the title to that organization into the original. And we know the only only one that can do anything with whether it's a vehicle or whatever it is, is whoever's holding that original title. A photocopy, which is what they normally send us, doesn't do crap. So when you authenticate your birth certificate, do you become like the legal holder, the legal owner of that of that entity? Yeah, you, you're actually the holder in due course. It's been passed on to you from uh, the state. So wouldn't wouldn't that kind of make you kind of bulletproof against jail and against you know the powers that be to say, hey, you know, I'm I'm the owner. You know, you guys you guys don't own any 
percentage. You guys don't have any interest in this, you know, kick rock kind of deal, or or is is not that not that simple. Well, uh, I I suggest doing a counter deed to it, which is what I did. And the definition of a counter deed is um, a, a deed that's done either under private seal or notary, which essentially nullifies, destroys, or extinguishes a public deed. Because originally, um, that that title, that certificate of life birth or whatever, is a public deed that they can attach things to. And once you become the holder of it, then they can no longer, not only can they no longer attach things to it, but they have to destroy any attachments they've ever made to it. Nice. And I've talked to a few people that, well, I actually experienced it myself, but I've talked to a few people who went into the court of courts and said, hey, you know, it was after they did their authentication, and they said, you know, I had parking tickets, whatever the case may be, a few months ago. And they said, you know, I, I just want to make sure everything's cleaned up. You know what I mean? And the clerk would come back and say, I'm sorry, but all that information's been destroyed. Wow. Which, told, which tells you they have to get rid of any time they have tried to link to it or make a claim against it. It's very, it's very interesting. I've, I've well, heard of, of, I was going to say that happened to me when I went to check out my uh, so-called driving record because I knew of at least four things that should have been on there. And I got a seven-year record from them. It was blank. There was nothing on there. Hmm. It showed that any attachments that they had tried to make to that legal entity they had, oh, they had disappeared anyway. What What are some of the rules over there in in Florida as far as uh, medical marijuana or recreational? Um, I really don't know. Florida is at the beginning stages of things. Um, it's, I guess, it's finally been voted through. Or I don't know. I I don't really pay much attention to it. I don't really care about it. Hmm. Because all that is, is, well, I know, take, for instance, New Jersey, for instance, when it comes to a driver's license and the DMV. Um, they pretty much let you know right there that all of their little DMV offices or social security offices, they're all privately held businesses, you know what I mean, that can capitalize on something where they're taking a right you have and they're turning into a privilege and charging you for it, which is totally illegal, totally illegal. And that's the same thing with marijuana. They're they're taking a plant that was given to us by the creator, and they're putting an organization in charge of it, and that organization is going to charge us to be able to use it. Right. I agree. I agree. I just... uh... I guess I'd like to I'd like to learn like the different statutes that they have out there. Like for example, Texas is real rough on it. Like if they catch you, uh, well if they catch a citizen, 
you know, with with a vape pen or possibly a a, a dab, you know, like a, a, a marijuana concentrate, that's considered a felony. So they'll well, be charge a felony for that. You just hit on a key. You hit on a key word there. Yeah. Citizen, if yes. if they, a citizen. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And mm-hmm. those those statutes and codes and all that stuff, uh, I look at those basically as the employee handbook. Yeah, that's right. Or people that are members of that PMA or that organization. Well, if you're no longer a member of that or part of that, then does that pertain to you? Can... can Walmart use their rules and regulations against a Target employee or a Kmart employee? No, they can't. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's really that simple. Hmm. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to look into that PMA uh, website. Uh, I, I definitely want to set one of those up, so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to sign up with those guys. All right. And, you know, uh, one of the first steps you want to do, and you'll find it there, is you need to declare your nationality. You know what I mean? And so you move your nationality from what they assume as United States citizen, and you move it over to United States of America. And then after that, then you set up your PMA, and you place your legal entity into the uh, United States of America, which isn't a government like we've been used to being under, this is a government that is run and set up by and for the people and we administrate everything. And that PMA that you put it into is got a population of one, just you. It's your PMA, period. It's not controlled by any other organization like the United States or whatever. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. I'll check that out. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, thank you for, you know, thank you for taking this call, man, and and I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I don't know who else came on with us, if they have a question or anything. Otherwise, I guess I can end the recording if it didn't end on us already. (laughs) All right. Sounds good, man. All right, brother. We'll talk at you later. All right, uh, man. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, man. Peace out. Thank Anybody you, Brian. That? Absolutely. You got it. And like I always say, the more you learn about where you're really from, where you're really at, and who you really are, the more you'll freaking learn the truth. Because those are three things that have been fed to you have not been a truth. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, Brian. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.